Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Amazing Maine podcast, the sweetest smelling podcast on the internet. So, please visit our website at amazingmainepodcast.com. There you can find links to all of our social media accounts, even Pinterest, and we now have a YouTube channel where all these episodes are being posted, so if you prefer to listen via YouTube, you can do that. We're also on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. We're also on Twitter. Yeah, that's the other one. So, a few announcements before we get into the episode. Uh, I want to start a thing that I'm going to call Main Memories. I'd like to make it a part of upcoming episodes. So many of you, whether you were raised in Maine, whether you've just visited here, or have a childhood memory about the state or something you did here, I'd love it if you could share that with me. You can send it to me in an email at amazingmainepodcast at gmail.com. Or, if you want to contact me and send it to me in a recording, and I'll put it on to future episodes, that would be great. Tell me about that camping trip you went on when you were a kid, or that time you spent at the beach uh, surfing, or whatever it was. Some great main memory that you'd like to share with other people, and something that just sticks in your head and you can't can't get it out of there. Maine really is the place of memories for me, and in an upcoming bonus episode, I think I'm going to share a few of my own to kind of get folks started, but I'd really love to hear from all of you on what are your favorite Maine memories. Also, another brief announcement, a big thank you to everyone who has downloaded this podcast. Just a few days ago, I topped 400 downloads, which for a podcast that's only about a month old is pretty big. I Can't thank you enough for everyone who has subscribed and downloaded, reviewed, liked, followed, everything. It's just terrific. I really do appreciate it. So please keep doing so. If you haven't already, please subscribe on whatever platform you're on. Our interesting main fact for this episode, it ties right into the topic for this episode. Maine has more miles of maintained snowmobile trails than it does state-maintained roads. That ought to tell you something. On this episode of the Amazing Maine podcast, I had the chance to speak with Mike Grass, who is the president of the Maine Snowmobile Association, about snowmobiling in the state of Maine. First off, thank you to Mike and to the Maine Snowmobile Association for his time on this. And I do apologize, the audio quality uh, of the interview isn't the greatest, but as this is a new podcast, I had to use free software that's available to me. In future podcasts, I'll probably have uh, some higher quality audio recording software for phone interviews and that sort of thing. So if it's a bit hard to hear at times, I apologize. That's on my end on the software I was using. So let's get into the interview. Well, Mike, thanks very much for joining us on the Amazing Maine podcast. I do appreciate your time and looking forward to talking about snowmobiling in Maine. Why don't you introduce yourself, tell us who you are, uh, what you're all about, and what you do for the state of Maine with regards to snowmobiling. Okay. My name is Mike Grass. I'm the current president of the Maine Snowmobile Association. I live in Plymouth, Maine uh, with my wife, Brandy, my son, Brandon, my dog, Taylor, and our cat, Macy. Our daughter, Dana, is attending University of Vermont in Burlington, studying biochemistry. Uh, I own a carpentry building business, doing custom building and remodeling. Aside from snowmobiling, I like to ATV and spend time at camp and pretty much anything outdoors. The Maine Snowmobile Association voted me in as president in April to basically serve a two-year term, unless something 
unforeseen turns up that they want me to stay for longer, but that probably won't happen. But until then, I'm the president and taking care of what business is at hand. Okay, what first got you into snowmobiling? How long have you been doing it? My father actually sold Skidoo snowmobiles from 1968 to 1974. Uh, I was a basically a kid growing up on a snowmobile from the time I was four years old, I guess, because I was born in 66. So I grew up in the 70s, pretty much loving snowmobiles. And the 70s were somewhat of a heyday for snowmobiles, weren't they? They were. There were over 100 manufacturers during the 70s. I remember years ago, I was into dirt bikes as a kid, and I remember years ago, I took my dad's spark plug catalog to look up what spark plug I needed for a dirt bike, and I couldn't believe all the names of companies that used to make snowmobiles back in the 70s. I knew John Deere did, the tractor company, but even Evinrude and a whole bunch of other companies made snowmobiles back then. It was pretty amazing. He did. Even Harley Davidson made a snowmobile. <laughs> well, that's impressive. I didn't know that, actually. I do know that they made golf carts. I have a Harley Davidson golf cart in my barn that I hope to get back on the road someday, but that'll be a subject of another episode, I suppose. <laughs> so what uh, the Maine Snowmobile Association, what does the Maine Snowmobile Association do exactly? What is it for? The Maine Snowmobile Association, for lack of a better term, I would call it like a mothership for all of the local clubs in the state. There are just under 300 clubs, snowmobile clubs in the state, and we act as an organizational body and do the lobbying for all of those clubs. If there's legislation that comes up that will affect snowmobiling, we're the ones that make sure that we know what the bill is and make sure we're there to lobby on the side that will benefit snowmobiling. And just to kind of tell uh, the folks, just how big is snowmobiling for the state of Maine? How much of an impact does it have on the state? Well, this coming Saturday night, not quite a week from tonight, we are having a meeting in Medway, and the University of Maine has been working with us for two years on an economic impact study for snowmobiling in Maine, literally. So we are going to announce that night the exact numbers that snowmobiling impacts Maine with, which is going to be, because I've got a sneak peek of the impact study, it's it's north of $500 million. So wow. it's a pretty impressive number, yeah. Interesting. And with that, how many, uh, just to give folks that you know aren't from Maine or maybe haven't been venturing out on the trails, just how many miles of trails are in the state of Maine for snowmobilers? We have in excess of 14,000 miles of trail of which of that 3,500 is called ITS trail, which are the main corridors that connect north, south, and east and west and kind of connect all of the smaller trails together, so to speak. 14,000 miles. That's pretty impressive. That's now, more than there are paved roads in the, and actually it's more than there are state maintained roads. <laughs> That's a statement right there. When we have more snowmobile trails than we do state-maintained roads, you know it's pretty popular for the state. Yes. Okay. Now, those ITS trails, when you say those are big quarters, I live right near one called ITS 80. So ITS 80, uh, where does that go exactly? Where, does that, where can that take you? If you were in western Maine where I live, where could you go on ITS 80? 
ITS 80 runs from the New Hampshire border across to um, Lake, like by Andover in that level that's, area. That's where I live. I so, live in Andover. Yep. Yep. That okay. connects to ITS 89. And mm-hmm. ITS 89 actually goes from Lebanon, Maine, all the way to the Canadian border up up by, I believe it's past Jackman up in, uh, I think that's Coburn. No, that's not Coburn Gore, but it's uh, above Jackman is where ITS 89 goes. So that's wow. the thing about the ITS corridor is they all connect so you can go anywhere once you hit one. Now, you mentioned there were 300 clubs uh, in the state of Maine that are all affiliated with the Maine Snowmobile Association. What do those clubs do? The clubs are the backbone of snowmobiling. They they get out there. They get the landowner permission. That basically, without that, there are no trails. So they get that. Then they establish where the trail's going to be. They cut the brush. They sometimes do stumping and excavation work if they have to, and put the signs up. Get it ready for the groomers to maintain in the wintertime. Now, that's one thing that I think a lot of people maybe are not aware of that are from outside the state or just visiting, that most of these trails, would you say most of the trails are groomed, or what percentage of the trails are groomed? If they are on the system, so to speak, at the 14,000 miles, they are groomed. Wow. Okay. So that means that there is a individual with a snowcat, basically, a, a, a tucker machine that is out even in the middle of the night, potentially grooming those trails to make them uh, more usable for snowmobilers in the state, correct? They sure are. They use everything from a snowmobile with a pipe drag to the tuckers that you're talking about to some 400-horsepower piston bullies with 14-foot drags. It's impressive. Wow. Where do you like to ride? What are some of the favorite places you like to visit in the state? I just got home from a trip to Jackman. I was up there for a couple of days. Uh, had been there for a few years, so it was interesting to go back. They've done a lot of work. Uh, my favorite place to ride, if I have to, if you're going to make me pick one, I guess would have to be the St. John Valley, which is up near Madawaska, Frenchville, Fort Kent. Uh, it's impressive. You can ride right alongside the St. John River in the hills of the St. John Valley. It's it's beautiful. The trails are really good. They do a great job maintaining them. It's a lot of old logging roads, so to speak. And the the terrain is kind of hilly and big meadow fields like. It's it's interesting if you've never been up to that area, the scenery and how the land lays out. And to give people an idea of kind of the the span of that trip you live kind of dead center in the state or roughly in the center of the state how long would it take you to get all the way up there to what is essentially the canadian border it takes a little over four hours with with a truck and a trailer we actually have a trip we leave from the from the house here in central maine and we go to portage it's about 240 miles by sled and takes most of the day what sets maine apart from other states in the Northeast for snowmobiling? Why would someone, why should someone come here versus another Northeastern state for a snowmobile trip? Maine snowmobile clubs put out a fantastic product. Our trails are groomed meticulously. Our restaurants are, have fabulous food. Our hospitality 
because Maine has hospitality that's second to none. The restaurants, the motels, the gas stations, the clubs make sure that they all have easy access to the trails so that it makes it easy for people, so to speak, from away to find these places and, and patron those places so that all of the businesses along the trails benefit from the snowmobiling too, not just the snowmobiler. I know in my area of Maine and Andover, for example, uh, it's very tough to get gas on a weekend because the snowmobiles are stacked up at the gas station 10, 20 <laughs> deep sometimes. And uh, we did have a diner for many years, and it was a very popular thing for people from surrounding towns uh, on a Friday or Saturday evening to simply get on their snowmobile rather than on their car and ride the trails up to the diner here in town have dinner and then ride home again. That was a very common thing on the weekends for a lot of folks. I imagine most small towns in Maine have similar experiences. They do. A lot of the restaurants depend on that winter traffic to keep the restaurant business strong because typically Maine winters are not tourist friendly, so to speak, but snowmobilers essentially are tourists, so they keep it going. My wife and I manage a few short-term rental houses through things like Airbnb and VRBO, and some of our best customers are snowmobilers coming in from out of state because they typically stay for a week, and they're out all day, so they uh, keep the place meticulously clean, and there's not much work to do after they leave, and uh, we love having them. They, uh, they come and uh, just they, they, they make all of businesses happy in town. It's a wonderful thing. It is. They, they respect that people are trying to take care of them. So they try to take, you know, reiterate that back to them. Now, if someone is coming from out of state or even from southern Maine, from within the state, and they're going to come up into the northern or western or even central parts of the state, what should they consider before making uh, that snowmobile trip? What are some things they should be aware of and that you as the Maine Snowmobile Association want them to uh, you want them to consider before they come? Well, first and foremost, snowmobiling is supposed to be fun. And in order to make it fun, it's got to be safe. So everybody has to do their part. You need to ride on the right-hand side of the trail, stay on the marked trail, uh, ride at a prudent speed, be courteous to other riders that are out there, or uh, there could be a cross-country skier around the corner. So you got to be expecting the unexpected, so to speak, all the time. It is a fun sport. It's I was admiring today how beautiful the sky was coming across the lake and just the snow-covered hills just stood right out as because the sun was so bright today. So it's it's a fun sport. And, and some people call it expensive, but it's all in the eye of the beholder, so to speak. Now, if someone doesn't own a snowmobile and they still want to try it, what would you recommend they do? The rental market for snowmobiles is actually quite big. Most areas, the bigger areas, Jackman, Rangeley, the Roosted County, uh, Northern Outdoors, for instance, in the Forks, there are multiple places to rent sleds. You can rent them by the hour, by the day, by the week. So it's for all budget ranges and all skill levels too. They have smaller sleds for beginners. And if you've rented before, they've got bigger ones. So they don't go as fast as some of the other ones usually, but that's usually a good thing. <laughs> you mentioned, you referred to it, I've been calling it a snowmobile because I admit I'm not originally from Maine, 
but you referred to it as a sled. And there's another term out there that I hear a lot of native Mainers use that is snow machine. So for the uninitiated, what is the difference between a sled, a snow machine, and a snowmobile? Well, as you said, it's, it's where you're from, basically. Uh, I call it a sled. Uh, when I was a kid, Skidoo was one of the first brands, and a lot of people called it skidooing when they went. So it kind of varies as to what part of the state you're in, too. Some people still call it a skidoo in places and snowmobile and others. So it's, it's, it's personal preference, I guess, really. Mm -hmm. Where can people go for resources on planning a trip or trail maps or that sort of thing? Where can they get information on snowmobiling in Maine? The Maine Snowmobile Association has a website. It's mesnow.com. And on that website, we have links to registering your sled. We have links to weather. We have a trails conditions page that shows the trail conditions in many regions of the area. They send in reports and we post them. The, we have a Facebook page that has some info on there. We try to post positive stuff. Uh, we have a safety chairman that does a lot of things of that nature. You can get your safety posters and he does some meetings to promote safety. We, the website is the, probably where you can get the most info, but if you can't find it there, you can call the office and they can answer your question or they will point you in a direction to somebody that can answer your question. Would it literally be possible for someone to snowmobile all the way from Kittery in the far southern reaches of the state, all the way to Fort Kent, Madawaska, in the upper northernmost points of the state. Could you do that on a snow machine? Oh, definitely. You can, the, I believe this, the southernmost point is Lebanon, which is fairly close to Kittery. And you can go all the way to Fort Kent. It would also depend on everybody having snow on that route. That's the only thing. But it's very, very possible and doable. It might not be doable in a day, but you you can definitely get there. <laughs> How long would it take you, do you think, if you did that? It's probably a two-day trip. Hmm. That's that's a pretty good amount of time on a snowmobile. <laughs> I would imagine yeah. you'd be pretty sore at the end. <laughs> not by today's standards. Uh, there are a lot of guys that, I shouldn't say guys, there are a lot of riders that, that ride between 200 and 400 miles a day. Hmm. So it's it's... It's pretty comfortable. The new sleds have long travel suspensions. The one I ride actually has air ride suspension. So it's it's pretty comfortable, even if it gets bumpy. Wow. So for those that have never been on a snowmobile, you just hit on a, a very interesting topic. What are some of the amenities that the modern snowmobile has? Because I think a lot of people that have maybe never tried it just think, okay, it's got a motor, it's got a track, and it's got handlebars. What you know? What really can you get in this day and age on a modern snowmobile? Well, most of them come with with heated handlebars and heated thumb uh, throttle. They have electric start, reverse. Almost all of the brands now have fuel injection, so spark plugs. You don't have to carry those like we did back in the seventies. Uh, spark plugs last five to ten years, so to speak. Now. Uh, a lot of four-stroke motors compared to two-strokes that we didn't used to have. You can get a heated seat now. You can have air ride suspension. My sled has an 
uh, echo mode that you can get better mileage with it if you're on a long trip. The, it's almost endless now. The digital gauges we have, we've got clocks on the dash and things now that we didn't used to have. It's changed a lot in 50 years. It's pretty impressive. I, I, they sound quite a bit like cars or at least like modern motorcycles now that with all of the, the bells and whistles that they have. They've got a lot of technology in them now. Is there anything I didn't ask that you'd like to tell potential riders, people that are going to visit the state or riders that are already in the state and uh, just want to keep uh, on top of things with the hobby? The biggest thing I guess I'd stress is that landowners are the, the backbone of the sport. We would have, wouldn't have snowmobiling without our landowners. So when you're riding across the fields and it's staked and there's a definite corridor, you need to stay in that corridor and not ride outside the stakes. I know the, those big fields look tempting to just go blasting across, but we don't have permission for the whole field. We have permission for that corridor. So need to stress that, I guess, would be the biggest thing. And next Saturday night, we're going to let everybody know how much the economic impact study comes in at so that's going to be a big night for for msa and the state of maine that's wonderful and i'll be sure to share those numbers with the listeners because i think that uh, is going to be a, a very big figure and a very interesting figure to a lot of people that love the state of maine yes it's it'll have uh, some statistics too of the average age of a snowmobiler and how much they spend on an average trip you know things things of that nature it's pretty pretty interesting Registrations last year were just over 87,000 total registrations for snowmobiles. And we usually have around 60,000 in-state or resident registrations and somewhere around 20,000 non-resident registrations. Wow, that's impressive. Mike, thank you very much for taking the time to be on the Amazing Maine podcast and share this really important hobby with everyone. I think uh, I think hopefully that uh, you'll get a lot of visitors to the site and a lot of people really consider making a snowmobile trip to the state of Maine. All right. Thank you. So, wow, that is just amazing, isn't it? Thank you again to Mike Grass for taking the time to speak with me on this topic. It's a very big one for the state of Maine, and I really do appreciate his time and the time that the Maine Snowmobile Association puts into this very important part of Maine's economy. Also, a big thank you to all those local clubs out there. As you heard Mike mention, there's over 300 clubs in the state of Maine that actively maintain trails. They operate warming huts and all kinds of facilities and things for snowmobilers. So when you come here... To Maine to snowmobile uh, or you live here and you head out on the trails all that work is being done by mostly volunteers and people who just give their own time and want to make the sport really good uh, really enjoyable for everybody that partakes in it also a huge thank you as Mike mentioned in the interview a huge thank you to the landowners in the state of Maine who allow these trails to go across their property can't thank you enough. A lot of the clubs hold thank you dinners in different parts of the state and different times of the year for these landowners. And you just, you can't say enough great about them. It's really wonderful that these people allow this sport to operate on their land. And to all those riding, please respect the landowner's property and stay on those marked trails, as Mike said. A few notes after the interview. That economic impact study that Mike mentioned that is coming up this Saturday, just a few days after this episode will be available, I'll be sure to post those results. I'm really interested to see what uh, the University of Maine and the Maine Snowmobile Association have come up with. 
north of five hundred million dollars. That is just massive to a state of Maine, you know, a state that only has around a million people or something. That is a huge economic impact, and I'm really looking forward to seeing some of those details. I'll be sure to share them with all of you on my website and links on social media when they do come out. Also, 14,000 miles of maintained trails. That is incredible. Now, just for reference, 14,000 miles is longer than the Great Wall of China. It's longer than the Amazon River. It's five times as long as the trip from New York City to L.A. by car. That really is amazing. And to give people from outside the state an idea of what it's like to see some of those trails, right here in my small town, there is a number of trail junctions. And driving through town in the winter, if there's a lot of snow, which there usually is, you typically see snowmobiles on the edge of the road waiting to cross. Uh, you, you learn where the crossings are. You see them everywhere. My kids go to school and snowmobiles are driving down the side of the road. Uh, I have to say that two groups of people that really do take good care of their sport are the snowmobilers and the ATVers. I'm hoping in the spring and summer to speak with some ATV associations, uh, but these folks really do take care of them themselves and take care of the sport. It's, it's wonderful to have them and have them operating in the state. Also in the show notes, I'm going to have links to the Maine Snowmobile Association's website and their Facebook page. And a final note, I really am glad I found this. As I was editing this episode, I just happened to check Instagram, and I ran across a posting by the Rangeley Lakes Chamber of Commerce. And that led me to a operation in Aquasic, Maine, called Bald Mountain Camps, which I was you know, just a little bit familiar with. This coming Saturday, that's February 15th, 2020, there is an attempt at a world record for the longest snowmobile ride to benefit cystic fibrosis. This is an incredible undertaking, and I'm going to have some links to it in the show notes. If you're in the state and you can participate, or you're outside of the state and you want to donate or something like that, uh, please go over to their Facebook page and look at it. It's quite an event. I had the chance to speak with Tyler at Bald Mountain Camps all about the event, and they're going to have this massive attempt at the world record for the longest snowmobile ride. There's going to be festivities, fireworks. There's going to be a band at night. They're going to have uh, an auction. They're going to have all kinds of stuff going on. It's basically a parade of snowmobiles through town. And what a, what a great event to try to, one, bring people to the state, but to benefit a very worthy goal, cystic fibrosis research. So head on over to that Facebook page. Get involved if you can and take a look at what they're doing. I just I can't say enough about... Uh, how great these folks are for trying to do something like this. What a great event. Thanks very much for listening, folks. I really do appreciate it. Head on over to our website, head to our social media, and we'll be having another episode in about two weeks with a bonus episode probably in between to talk more about the main memories section of upcoming podcast episodes. Thanks very much, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Amazing Maine podcast. Faulty recording, bad editing, and substandard technical knowledge are all provided by me, Scott, your host. Interruptions are provided by my children, a family dog that can't come to grips with Maine wildlife or delivery drivers, and my own ninja-like mastery of procrastination. You can help promote the podcast by visiting our website at www.amazingmainepodcast.com and on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and something called Pinterest. Who knows, maybe with some luck, I could get some sponsors and even buy a decent microphone. 
Thanks for your help, everyone. Have a great day.